Hi, I am Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Sina from Ohio. And welcome to Backlist and Chill, where we (laughs) read books and drink about it. I mentally filled in Paper Cuts podcast, and it's been (laughs) so long, Ollie. That should not have happened. Please know that there have been episodes where I, too, almost (laughs) said Paper Cuts podcast. It was a good name. It was. This is a good name, and we did we did a bunch of episodes, so you know it makes sense that it's. It, it was like three years of our life as well. Yep, I think that we had over a hundred episodes. Like there were a oh lot. Oh my gosh, we were doing one or two a month, twice a month. Mm. I don't want to do it again, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. We enjoy talking shit about basically <laughs> anything, really. Yes, that's true. That's true. Give me something to talk shit about, and I will. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> Don't think I won't. Speaking uh, of. Yes. So we're in, is this season 11 still somehow? Oh God, don't ask me questions. <laughs> it know. is. It's season 11. And this is episode two, where we're talking about Dark Visions number two, The Possessed by L.J. Smith. A title that has absolutely nothing to do with the book. Okay, thank you. Because I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> no, I I have no idea what it's supposed to be referring to. I can't even attempt to figure out what it could be about (laughs) the only thing i could guess is like gabriel being possessed by his hunger but that feels like a reach like a big stretch yeah well what are we drinking do you have anything interesting to say about your drink because i don't about mine so i could go first oh um i mean how about this hey ollie uh what what are you drinking well absinthe Clearly. <laughs> yes. I have maybe a shot and a half after this left of the Wollersheim Dance Hall Absinthe Blanche You're remaining. So close. I know. I'm really excited by that. And I would totally get that uh, again. Because mm-hmm. it was good. And I can't find absinthe in my area anyway, because everywhere stopped selling it. And that's very irritating. But it is one shot of the Absinthe Blanche. It is about a quarter cup of honey with, like, I guess hot water to, like, loosen it up and make kind of a simple syrup, but it's it's honey instead of sugar. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of the the Nixie watermelon mint sparkling water, the one that tastes kind of like bubblegum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it is good and refreshing. Um, I had considered, kind of foolishly, and I'm glad that I thought better i considered just doing like straight fucking absinthe mm-hmm. because i'm like oh this book doesn't even deserve an interesting fucking drink <laughs> so <laughs> this is just what i have in my house <laughs> that's all you get dark visions that's, that's all you get i was like well thank fucking someone i have the absinthe still because <laughs> it was raining and I, I wanted to get ginger ale because I wanted to do an undeath in the afternoon because I was just like, mm-hmm. uh, just give me my classic. <laughs> but it was raining. So I'm like, fuck it. What do I have in my house? And I had this watermelon mint sparkling water. And then I was like, I don't want to make simple syrup. Like, oh, I have honey. So that's it. I literally just pulled this shit together. I'm calling it a waste of my time because that's what this book is. <laughs> Oh, coming out the gate with so many fisticuffs. It's very good. (laughs) I told you earlier that I'd already dreamed we did this podcast, so I'm so mad that I have to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I didn't really do it. 
once you get that dream recording technology, you know, <laughs> you just do it for us. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right. So that's my drink. I almost didn't even take a picture, but I was like, no, I should. <laughs> so begrudging. Like, ugh, I guess. There's Whatever. like nothing in it that means anything. It's just the drink and the book. <laughs> so funny <laughs> how about you what you got so i uh am not feeling good today mm. i have a real sore throat and i've just been drinking like everything you know just like anything to yeah. figure out what'll make it feel better and i decided to come home and <laughs> do an ollie and just make myself some hot tea oh so Dave has some apple spice chai. Mm. And I was like, what if I make myself some nice hot tea? And then I just put some fireball in it. Like okay. apple spice, cinnamon, that goes together. Right. So like a tea hot toddy kind of thing. Basically, yeah. And I was like, I don't have the energy to go to a store to find something fancy. I don't want to drink something sweet and cold. So... It was very good, and it has nothing to do with the book, so I'm calling it The Possessed. <laughs> like the title before. <laughs> I do like that you've tried a hot alcoholic beverage. Yeah, you know, you want something feeling nice on your throat. And like I said, yeah. it did feel very nice until it cooled down. And now it's just yeah. slightly flavored water. With some fire. But... You know, we do what we have to do, so. Absolutely. We fought for this episode. We did. We're, we're doing this. I don't care what happens. We're, we're doing it. We're getting done with it. I don't have time to fuck around. No, no time to fuck around. Which leads me to, I'm going to read the blurb, and then we can talk about the cover. Let's go. So Dark Visions number two, The Possessed by L.J. Smith. The best-selling author of The Forbidden Game brings readers the second volume in her all-new horror trilogy, Dark Visions. Now, Caitlin Fairchild and her four friends have no choice but to follow their own psychic gifts to a lonely white house on a cliff and into the terrifying unknown. That's, that's it. What uh, you got? It's, it's close. Yeah. Like there, it, it's an abridged version of what's on the back of the book. Which I'm currently sending... Alright, let's clickety-click on this. They're gifted and damned, linked by psychic powers, pursued by an evil genius determined to own them body and soul. Caitlin Fairchild and her four friends have no choice. They must follow the dream that drives them onward to a lonely white house on a distant cliff. Kate fears the unknown, but the greatest threat is in their midst. Dark hypnotic Gabriel feeds on her life energy to sustain his own. Newcomer Lydia says she's one of them, but is she? Someone is trying to divide and conquer to make them psychic slaves before they reach their journey's end. That feels like more info, but it gives away too much for a book that has so little. <laughs> yeah. Also, Lydia doesn't come in till like halfway through the book. Like, like more than halfway through? Yeah. Oh, and the, the beginning, it says journey into fear. Like, I fucking wish. <laughs> God, I'm so salty about this book. That's oh, going to be great. <laughs> I'm actually going to see where Lydia comes in because it's easy to find. Yeah, here's the goat. 
I love that I did not remember the goat, but that the UK covers the cover. did. Bless them. Right. <laughs> All right. So she comes in on in my omnibus. She comes in on page three ninety four mm-hmm. out of four eighty eight. So since the starts on page two fifty seven. It's a little more than halfway, but my god, does it not feel like it? No, it doesn't. So, that's the blurb, and uh, I would say that it's accurate in the sense that those things do occur, but inaccurate in the sense that it's trying to build tension that doesn't exist. I like the, uh, they were correct to keep the Lonely White House on a distant cliff line, because that's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's like the most important part of this book, but... Otherwise, it's like, uh, you know, they're giving uh, Mr. Zetes, 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 whatever, a lot of <laughs> credit Z. for being an evil genius and wanting oh God, to right? possess them, body and soul. Like, that That sounds weirdly sexual, and I don't get that vibe from this no, man. not at all. I feel like he would just like to destroy them and move on to his next project. Right, or, or have them just do his bidding voluntarily, like... yeah. It feels more like an evil vampire line. Yes, it does. Want to tell me about your cover, since you seem to have a single volume there, and I only still have the omnibus? Uh, yes, I do. It's hideously ugly. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, for some reason, Caitlin, still mostly blonde, sitting in front of a mirror with Gabriel, probably, because he has dark hair, uh, mm-hmm. just looking like the most boring 90s white dude he's got not quite a bowl cut but it's real close oh god he looks like his name should be zach and he (laughs) writes for the newspaper just something really banal you know like Uh, newspaper club or whatever anyway they're in front of a mirror and he's got his hand on her shoulder and it's like a possession thing and then in the background there's the beach and a skull cliff And some figures in hoods with glowing eyes, which, if I were going to guess, would be the other psychics, but that's not actually how they are described as looking. It's like, it it really just feels like one of them Photoshop chop jobs, even though I recognize that this is an illustration, where they just put some stuff on the cover that was vaguely spooky. And they're like, "Uh, you know, once you buy it, we've got your money, so it doesn't really need to be accurate. (laughs) We already got your lunch money, kid. Yeah, right. So there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but it's a it's a bad cover, and it should feel bad. Oh, and it's also <laughs> sure done in, like, the worst, like, gross eggplants and orange, but the coloring isn't consistent enough, so you've just got, like, people in brown robes and a gray skull rock, and it, it just, it's not cohesive at all. So I found it on the Goodreads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks like, because there's a, could you read the catchphrase or whatever there? Uh, she's under his deadly spell. <laughs> so like, that with the picture and him, like you said, with that awful bowl cut, <laughs> just standing there with a little bit of like magic on his hand and then he's clearly not actually behind her. <laughs> this feels like trying to be Julian being in Jenny's mind. Or a ghost boyfriend situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like he's a wizard who who runs those 
those three people, you know, and like they're going to come after her. And she's seeing things and she's got to get to this like spooky romantic setting with like, you know, a beach because the beach is romantic. Yeah. Nothing to do with any of this book. No. It's a, it's a bad cover, Jim, you know? But it, it has that look of that like paperback pulp kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Very pulpy. So, like, you can definitely see where if you were into those kinds of books, you would grab this because that's what it looks like. And you would probably be more or less satisfied, right? But it's just an ugly cover. I mean, so for me, as a kid who liked Christopher Pike and Arnold Stein books, this would look like something I would want to pick up. But I would be a little nervous because it seems romancy and I'm not, was never big on romance, right? Mm -hmm. And I would have been disappointed because... <laughs> I wouldn't have realized it was the second book in a series and that literally nothing is going to happen. <laughs> and I would have been like, but the cover made it look like potentially interesting. So I know for me, I'd have been a super disappointed kid. <laughs> but this is of its time. Very much. All of these things have given me big, like, Lifetime Movie of the Week vibes, like her secret stalker. <laughs> that fucking cover. All right, let's see. The plot. Is what we're going to talk about now. The plot. All right. So when last we left our intrepid Gen 13 heroes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they were leaving the house that Mr. Zietz, Zita's Mr. Z, and Joyce and the dogs were dead in. They hoped. Mm -hmm. But then they were like, no, we don't think they are. And so they went back to the Institute and they gathered up a bunch of their stuff at the beginning of this book. And then they... Got back in the Joyce's convertible after, I guess, like, Mr. Z and Joyce showed up and some other goon guy. Whatever. Doesn't matter. And they went on the highway. And this happened for a while. And then they got pulled over by a cop. And Gabriel used his extra mind powers <laughs> to knock out the cop. And rather than get back in the car and drive any amount because, like, this dude is knocked out. And they had a little bit of time, at least. And I don't think they had body cams back then. They abandoned Joyce's vehicle and ran into some city area. And they spent the night in some construction place out underneath the stars. Gabriel put some girl in a coma. It was super classist, all of his shit, about, like, calling her a rat bag and stuff. And I was just like, mm -hmm. I hate this boy. <laughs> And then they kept walking and they thought, wait, let's not hijack another car. Let's go find Marisol. She lived in this area super conveniently. And so they went and Marisol's family wasn't home, but her little brother was. I'm sorry, her parents weren't. And the little brother gave them Marisol's van, a bunch of clothes, and a bunch of sleeping bags. And like, I just want to say, that's weird. But okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. And then they just went and drove. And, like, nothing happened for 150 pages. <laughs> they slept. There was, like, some psychic attacks, I guess. Gabriel kept trying to feed on people. And Kate was like, no, take me. And he was like, no, I can't. But okay, I feel <laughs> so much better when I take from you. And it was definitely metaphorical for fucking... <laughs> and then there was a psychic attack where they made the vision of a goat <laughs> in the middle of the road, in the middle of a rainstorm. And the 
van went flying into a creek, and they abandoned Barisol's van and the sleeping bags they were given, and only had Kate's bag, because of course they did, and Anna's bag, which had the paperwork that Rob so smartly decided to take from the Institute. And they went to find some car that would take all five of them to Anna's parents, who lived somewhere nearish by enough for her to think that it was a good idea to, to go there. Some more convenience. And then some girls showed up and she had a car that conveniently could fit all five of them with her. And her name was Lydia. And Kate instantly hated her guts. And then they arrived at Marisol's parents. And Marisol's parents were like, your children, just stay here. We'll figure this shit out. Anna's parents, but yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Whose parents did I say? You said Marisol's. Oh, I'm sorry, Marisol. Anna's parents. And in the middle of the night, they decided to leave because Kate drew a picture of Lydia that revealed to her that Lydia was working with somebody, probably Mr. Z, definitely Mr. Z. And she fucking choked this girl? It was very good. I I fully support Kate choking Lydia. She was just like... I'm going to choke you. Admit you're a spy. She just fucking choked her. And then eventually everybody else showed up and she was like, okay, fine, I'm a fucking spy, but not really because he's my dad and I hate him. And it's real poor little rich girl going on here. But she wants to help them. While they were there, Anna's mom, I guess, or dad recognized some of the stuff from the dream that they were trying to find this white house. And so... Again, still not knowing where the fuck they were going, they get back into Lydia's car in the middle of the night, they leave the paperwork with the mom and the dad, and they go to motherfucking Canada. So they were in California, and then they were in Oregon, and then they were in Washington, and now they're in fucking Canada. Very pre-9-11 of them. Oh my god, right? Like, you're reading it, and they're like, oh, we're gonna need a note from our parents, and I'm like, this is so 90s. (laughs) So they get into Canada, and they, like, drive around this one particular island, which they at least knew to go to this island, and eventually they find it. And these people cannot fucking help them. They just want them to stay there, because they're all descended from Atlanteans, and it's super coy, and, like, Kate brings it up multiple times. She's like, you gotta fucking tell us where you're from? Oh, and then he ignored my question. You're like, just, just, LJ, stop it. I love it. <laughs> so just say we're from the lost continent of Atlantis. I know. Even Kate's like, say it, you coward. Say it. Right? It's like, you lampshading this, LJ? Just makes me mad. And Gabriel isn't allowed to come into the house because he has taken a life. And so he has to sleep in the shed. And these people can't do anything. They've got their own perfect pure crystal, because of course they do, because they're perfect and pure. Uh, just... We'll get to it. So they've got this crystal, <laughs> and they're like, here, Gabriel should touch it. Oh, does does this heal him? No, but it gives him some energy. We can't fix it. Well, how, how do we fix it? Well, you'd have to take a shard from this, the last pure crystal, and dark crystal that shit by jamming it into Mr. Z's, like, ugly deformed crystal. And, like, we're not going to destroy our crystal. Sorry. So in the middle of the night... Actually, not even the middle of the night, the like beginning of the night. He decides to drain his guard and get his information on the path that will lead them out of the woods, because I guess that's a thing. And 
Lydia had been like flirty eyeballs with him, I guess. And he invited her to come hang out with him. And I assume he did the same kind of mind manipulation shit with her. And she leaves with him. And within like an hour of this happening, alarms in the whole complex. They're under a psychic attack. And Mr. Z's people are trying to vibrate (laughs) from a psychic distance. (laughs) The pure crystal. He's got the kids from his first test experiment helping him with this. And they've the people of the crystal are all trying to save their crystal. And then fucking Timon, the, the oldest dude there, goes, Wait, no, I didn't know he could be so evil and the things he's done to children. Everyone stop! And they all stop. And, like, the crystal shatters. And then he wants the kids to take a shard to go destroy that other crystal. Which, why not give them a bunch of crystals? But whatever. And that's it. They're fucked. These people have been alive for longer than recorded history, as far as we can tell. And they just choose to give up to take out the evil in this world. And now the kids are on a mission to head back down to destroy the the crystal, because, like, the people who are left... Oh, because, of course, the life force of the crystal was the only thing sustaining at least the oldest guy, and not all of them, I guess. And rather than everyone go, it's just going to be on these now four kids... To go stop the evil. So we went from California to Canada to get a fucking MacGuffin, and now we have to go back to California. The end, that's where it stops. They even lampshade that. They're like, so we came all this way for nothing? We spent 250 pages talking about what we were going to have for dinner and how much money we had and how much Kate loves Rob for nothing? And then one of them, I think Anna is like, or no, it's Rob. I think he's like, no, we we know more now. We're more prepared. We've we've had character development. <laughs> Have we? No, you haven't. Nobody had any character development. I remember messaging you and being like, I, I still don't know anything more about Anna or Lewis. They're still the same bland nobodies. The lampshading in this book was just like, why? This doesn't make it okay. Yeah, I I wish as usual that there was more information from lj about like what what her motives were for writing this what the process was like because what were you it, going for it feels very um like you you were saying with the last one very first draft it feels really underdeveloped like she had about the same amount of pages with like forbidden game and with her previous trilogies and like even if they weren't great there was still stuff going on with the characters that is just right, even not happening. Secret, Secret Circle, where she was like, oh, I got inspired by Arthurian legend. And we're like, I don't see it, but okay. <laughs> well, and like, think of like, there were so many characters in Secret Circle, and yet they had personalities. Like, we didn't know much about them, but Cassie spent time with like every single person in that circle, and we got to know them a little bit. And Kate has spent like now 500 pages with yeah. these characters and we know so little about them. And then even the characters that we do know anything about being Rob and Gabriel, their characterization is so utterly inconsistent that I just walk away from every chapter being like, I still don't know these characters. <laughs> They're not terribly compelling, you know? No. Like, yeah, I would highly agree that that is the word I would use. <laughs> I will say... I do enjoy Kate, 
sometimes in execution, mostly in concept, because I really enjoy how aggressive Kate is. There, LJ is trying to make her a compliment for Gabriel with their similarly bristly personalities. And like, I appreciate that because I feel like Kate is very different from Jenny or Cassie or Elena. Like, wouldn't any of those people choke a bitch? No. Maybe Elena. Maybe Elena. (laughs) She would get like Stefan to do it, you know? Kate jumps on that bed and chokes that bitch. She does it. Yeah, I I wish it was more apparent for me as a first-time reader that she was doing this as a compliment to Gabriel. Mm-hmm. But her times with Rob are just, like, so bland. Yeah. They make me forget any of her choices. Because you are right, you know, say, saying it, I'm like, you're right, there's... She makes choices. Mm-hmm. She made a choice to be like, I'm going to draw Lydia. I'm making this choice. I want to find out why I feel so instantly uncomfortable with her. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she sees it, she she literally goes, oh, I'll fucking kill her. Yeah, yeah. Without the word fucking. But she's like, oh, I'll kill her. You know, it's like she does make this choice to try to find out what's wrong in her brain. And then she does make a choice to confront her. And I wish that didn't go away when she was around Rob. Yeah, I think... I think what LG's going for is Rob being like a tempering, having like a tempering effect on her, like the idea of them being complimentary because she is somebody who will choke somebody and Rob is like a nice guy healer, right? But they don't do much except for say that kind of thing. And like, and it makes her inconsistent in that way rather than have her be like, oh, I try to be better when I'm near Rob. Oh, Rob helps me calm down from my anger. Yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah, it's an instant thing that just happens. Oh, and I'm near Rob. Everything is good, but all you do with Rob is snuggle him and, like, give him a smooch here and there and be like, I love you. I love you. I'm like, what is this? This is not a relationship. Yeah, there's nothing dramatic going on in their relationship. And, like, I I know that sometimes hear it backlist and chill. I almost said Paper Cuts podcast again. Again? I'm so sick. I'm so sorry. It's all right. I know that sometimes uh, we're like, just communicate. You'll have like a stable relationship. But like, in this case, I would enjoy some drama. I would enjoy some of Kate struggling with how Rob makes her want to be a less volatile person. If she acknowledged that, that would, however, be communication. Right. Because instead, anytime she's had a secret, she's kept it. Or Rob has just been like, Kate. Don't make me put on the dad voice. (laughs) And because it removes who she is on her own, it makes it not a problem, like you said. And so therefore, you don't even need communication because it's gone. Yeah. I feel like this is uh, similar to the stuff she was trying to do with, or that she did. I would say successfully did with Elena and Damon and Stefan in Vampire Diaries. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and I was thinking about this earlier, like, I was really trying to root out why Kate and Gabriel don't work for me the way that, um, you know, Elena and Damon or Jenny and Julian have worked. And it's because Kate in this book and in the previous book, maybe a little less in the previous book, but in this book for sure, is not attracted to Gabriel. She says it constantly. 
I like him, he's my friend, but I'm in love with Rob. It's so platonic. Like, they have their intimate mind melds, and, like, she feels affection for him, and she cares about him. He but could be a brother. Yeah, it's never in that, like, oh, he, he makes me feel this way. Like, he brings out my dangerous my side. Darkness. Like, right, if, she, if he did that, if she was like, when I'm near Gabriel, I don't have to hide that I was um, cruel to people when I was in school. Mm-hmm. I, I keep that from Rob because I don't want to be that person anymore, but I can yeah. admit it with Gabriel. And like, if, if she was attracted to him as opposed to mm-hmm. just finding him to be attractive. Right. Yeah. It's so, like I said, it's so weirdly platonic. And that's so strange because like, this is LJ's bread and butter. Like she's so <laughs> She'd good be better at, this. at this. Why is this not happening? You know? Well, and so I'll point out too, as much as we're always like Elena fucking Gilbert, She's always Elena fucking Gilbert. If she yes. was Kate Fairchild all the time, then we could be like, oh, man. And then she's hanging out with Rob and she's like, gonna go choke this girl. And Rob like <laughs> suggests that she doesn't. And she like snaps a little bit. And he's just like, so forgiving and like good. And, and then she calms down because she realizes, oh, you know, I really should not go choke this girl. You're right. But I am going <laughs> to confront her. Like, if she stayed that way instead of it being this instant light switch, like, because Elena is the same character with Damon as she is with Stefan, and Caitlin is not. Yeah, it's it's just, like you said, it's so strange that she doesn't, I feel like some of these things are alluded to, like, um, when they meet Lydia, she and Gabriel both have that shared suspicion like the rest of the group is like oh thank god you know we can get this person's car and it's fine and her and gabriel are like this is sus yeah (laughs) kind of interesting that the first car that stopped for us can fit all five huh right you know so like there are those moments where they do sync up like that but i feel like it's there and could be developed in a further draft but lj just really doesn't Instead of this first draft. So I, I, as you were discussing it, I think what would have helped this book, because we can't do anything about the first one, because mm-hmm. we already discussed what we would do. I think that what was needed and what really just disappointed me early on in this book was it seemed like Gabriel was going to be, him and Rob were going to be better together. Mm-hmm. And instead it was right back and like, again, Kate lampshaded it right back to the two of them fighting and I feel like the animosity, the the hissing cats between Rob and Gabriel does a huge disservice to Kate's potential interactions with Rob and her potential interactions with Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Because so much of it is spent on kind of wishing that her two boyfriends, who's not a boyfriend, <laughs> would stop fighting still. Mm-hmm. And like, I know it. It's only been, you know, a day right. and in the beginning and whatnot. But, like, all the shit that they just went through at the end of that book, how does it go away so quickly? Like, I wish we saw Gabriel slowly put up some walls. Him being like, I've been having these difficulties. Like, him opening up at all to the rest of the group instead of only having a connection with Kate. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have allowed things to grow. And then for Kate to be like, I'm a little attracted to Gabriel. Mm-hmm whoopsies but no i'm in love with rob and for us to be able to see what we have been discussing her still being herself around both Mm -hmm. of them would have had like room to be there yeah i think what this book 
is mainly in service of, and it it does so by doing exactly the opposite of the things that you're talking about, mm-hmm. is making room for Caitlin and Gabriel's secret romance, in finger quotes, like... <laughs> Time apart from everyone else. Yes. So, like, the, the framing of, or the, not the framing, the, like, building blocks of Gabriel being a psychic vampire who yep. needs to feed on other people and not wanting people to know that. Caitlin finding out about that, and then all of the rest stops where they can go off into the woods and feed together secretly and privately. Yeah. Like, this feels like it is all in service of facilitating those moments. Because that's all that happens. And it happens for so long! But And it doesn't work because those moments aren't good because, as we discussed, LJ has somehow forgotten that one of the key components of making this hot is making the heroine be a little bit into it, you know? (laughs) Any amount of interested in this dude emotionally. Right, like, Caitlin does talk about, like, how nice it feels, but... Yeah. Again, it's all so platonic. Like, LJ has those leading sentences where she's like, oh, Gabriel feels for me, and I don't feel for Gabriel because I love Rob, dot, dot, dot. And she's like, no homoing herself. Well, and you're supposed to, like, you know, supply your little, don't I love Rob after that, but it never. If LJ did, don't I only love Rob, that would have been great. Right. Like, Caitlin only ever chooses Rob, only ever vocalizes interest in Rob. Like, Yes, if she had chosen Gabriel at all, that would have been great. Oh, also, (laughs) the one moment of potential tension where Rob has discovered them Mm -hmm. and is like, what's going on here? And then, you know, it's it's revealed. She's like, it's literally not what you're thinking. And then she runs off after him, choosing Rob in Gabriel's mind. Mm -hmm. It's completely deflated. Because Lydia then steps out of the shadows and is like, no, Kate's telling the truth. It was completely mm-hmm. platonic. I heard everything they said. I'm like, ah, you could have left doubt in Rob's mind. Mm-hmm. You could have made Kate be like, I need to make up for it. But also Gabriel needs me and I want to help. I'm like, no, instantly deflate it. Lydia heard everything. I'm like, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> right? It's such It's such a weird way to suck, like you said, suck the tension out of it, suck the drama out of it. And like... I don't know why, because it wasn't like she had written Rob as though he was going to fuck off on his own the way Gabriel does constantly. Like, Rob was just going to step back and be like, you kids have fun. Yeah. (laughs) He never felt threatened by Gabriel because she's never expressed any interest in Gabriel. Right. And it wasn't going to, like, blow up the plot because, you know, she wrote Rob in a way that he would still stick around. So, like, why Because he tries that? so hard to be a Matt Honeycutt, even if he isn't. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't really understand why she did that. I know why. It's because she wants us, or she wants Gabriel to betray them. Like, that, oh, that seems... Yeah. That's like why all of this happened poorly. Right. Because he needs a reason to leave, even though all of them were like, no, we're not going to go in the house either then unless he can't, you know, if he can't come in, we're not going. Completely undermining that moment Mm -hmm. because he literally says, no, go ahead, go on. And then decides it's all pointless and Mm -hmm. he can't stay there and watch, you know, Rob and Kate and these people can't help me and I might as well just be a fucking villain. Mm hmm. All of the stuff that is makes the book 
boring as shit is so that he'll leave at the end. That's fair. Because otherwise, I'm pretty sure this could have just been a duology. Mm-hmm. There was no need for this to be three books. There's no need for it to be 700 motherfucking pages. There's... I remember now in the first book, I was mad that, like, nothing happened mm-hmm. for, like, so much of the book. And they gave us so many details for, like, their first four days hanging out together. Mm-hmm. And then they got linked and were like, we spent a week like that. And I'm like, LJ! Yep. <laughs> and then the last 50 pages, something happened. It's the same motherfucking thing here. It we're going to detail all three days of your motherfucking road trip. And then we're just going to jump us up to Canada and have 50 pages, not even 50 pages, two chapters of shit happening. Well, and, you know, you get to what should be like a very dramatic point of the book where they reach their destination, what happens there, and they wrap it up in like two chapters. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I wanted to say about that. The characters that we meet there. And, like, the dude dies and stuff. Like, I didn't care. I barely even knew him. He was on the page for, like, two scenes. Yeah. Who cares? Why should we care? Why should they care? They should have arrived at their destination pretty motherfucking quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, they should have been able to... Because there's um there's a dream where they connect with the, the people of the crystal and they all hear a different phrase. And if LJ had just chosen to be like, oh, we've got the name of the place... Mm-hmm. let's go we could have just gone there and spent this whole book up there with the people of the crystal yeah and had them trying to help gabriel instead of being like and eh, we don't know anyway like there mm-hmm. was no point in being like you've taken a human life so you cannot come in here no just be like my child i'm so sorry for the life you've lived that that, that led you to this come in we shall try to help cleanse your spirit you know touch the crystal every day we'll see if we can find a way to get rid of this. We never encountered it before, but, you know, we'll take the time to help you. Instead of Mm -hmm. these people being just, like, empty vessels of nothingness. Like, I don't care that they're gonna die now. Yeah, they're just a a plot device. Like, a very blatant plot device and not an interesting or developed concept. Yeah, I could have cared when Timon died. If you're gonna spend 250 pages on a middle book, make it worthwhile. Show us And then we got to this place and we spent all this time here actively on the pages. You can see us each learning more about how to use our powers because they understand our powers, right? Yeah, no, any of that would have been... This should have been Empire Strikes Back training with, like, Yoda and Dagobah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and if you're going to drop this fucking bonkers... uh, origin for psychics and the gonna make them atlanteans if you're going to make them atlanteans uh, explore it don't just have them say it or and not say it not say don't don't just have our characters frustrated they won't say it (laughs) then then murder the civilization right and then immediately you know the crystals destroyed their their haven is exploded like they weren't even there for 24 hours no it's so ridiculous i don't And if you were going to use the rest of the book as a road trip, you should have used it as a road trip and, like, developed these characters and their relationships, but she didn't do that either. No, instead it was all spent on Kate loving Rob and Kate helping but not loving Gabriel. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's actually super frustrating to realize that these kids arrived, like, right before sundown, because I remember Anna was like, we have to go because it's 
going to be dark and we will never find our way out. Mm-hmm. And before they were all asleep that evening, Gabriel mm-hmm. had f- had killed and put in a coma one dude, stolen Lydia in her car, and there was an alarm going up because we need you in the crystal garden. And then the crystal was destroyed. They were maybe there for like six motherfucking hours. Can you imagine being these people? Yeah, right. You you let these kids into your house. You you scan them mentally. You're like processing, processing. You're all good of heart and good of intent. Uh, we trust you. Come in. We've been here for thousands of years. Um, yeah. We're all very frail. We have one <laughs> HP each. So yeah, come on in. Uh, you know, you've passed all of our background checks. I can't imagine someone arriving at sundown and before i go to bed i don't have a home (laughs) honestly honestly you know what that's on y'all you really should have like had better screening procedures than just looking into somebody's heart and oh my god their their religion that we get like the slightest hint at but then means nothing yeah like that's never coming back that doesn't matter like the other dude lashan or lashan he goes, I need to go take these people someplace else. And by the time I'm done with that, you may be done with your thing. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I love that he's not even potentially going to be back up because LJ has lampshaded for us that he will not arrive in time <laughs> to help. And they're on their own. Like, you people were not expecting this to happen. You don't have somewhere else to go. This is the last pure crystal like, some woman comes in and is like, I'm trying to organize transportation. Are the kids coming with us? Who are you organizing with? You've told us that you, like, are completely off the fucking grid, basically. Like, the kids had to trudge through the forest to find you because there was no road that led to your houses. Who are they talking to? <laughs> yeah, it makes them seem like they have resources, but, you know, they explicitly say, oh, only the young of us, youngest of us can even leave this place. All so of like- them should be dropping dead. Who can't <laughs> leave? Oh, and like, how did they even know to go look for Kate at the fucking airport and to send him? And why was like, again, with the, the way he interacts with her being like, you have to go. Oh. It's like, you people are terrible at this. It's very funny. Once you find out like what Lashawn's deal is, then look back at like the way he was treating Kate in the first book. It's like what egregious, the fuck you know? Yeah, like, like LJ. Uh, like they're acting like these people have hung out with them for any amount of time when all they have done is arrive, eat their food, start to go to sleep, and then everything went to hell. We don't know anyone. And it's also, it makes the the decision that uh, Timon makes absurdly, like, light switch, right? Because they get there and they're like, oh, this is how it's always been. We, we Change? We don't like change. Right? Respect tradition. And then the moment they're attacked, Timon, like, sees that Zetus has been psychically abusing teenagers and he's like so evil i've never experienced such evil and it's like evil died when our people died like i have so many questions for you people like are you really this sheltered like right and yet somehow you're arranging transportation i feel like what zetus is doing is not even like some big dick super villain shit. I feel like this is mid tier. This is mid tier villainy. This is like <laughs> your average CEO villainy. Like, you know, talk to fucking the head of Citibank and you'll get the exact <laughs> same guy. I want 
to Moten to like evil, so evil. And they'd be like, oh, it's good that you just died, sir, because you could not have handled the rest of the world. Right? Like, I want Julian to fucking cameo and do his evil in the world speech on Timon. Like, my oh. dude, where have you been? Right? But yeah, it's it's so wild because like, they're there, as you said, for like less than six hours. Kate says, oh, maybe change is a good thing. The most banal of all sentiments. Mm-hmm. Is that your theme? Because it's not been your motherfucking theme. <laughs> no. And then Timon sees, like, what Zedes is doing to these teenagers. And he's like, maybe we should change. It's like, my dude. <laughs> and he spent no time with these kids. And again, if they had arrived because they were able to find their destination through the psychic dreams and have mm-hmm. spent, like, a month with these kids. Right. Exactly. And being like, well, maybe change would be good. And him being like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. And then finally deciding, let's protect the crystal. And they managed to, like, put off the attack. And then to decide, I saw, you know, how evil it was. And we need to make a choice. And something as opposed to all at once. Because, again, they lampshade it. Why did everyone do as he said and let go of the crystal? That was the only thing protecting it. And Lashon is just like... They're so used to listening to that old man, even though he's not really the leader. He's just the oldest. They just didn't even think. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god. Right? Like, the drama here is so obvious. You know, like, you have the kids get there, you have them stay there, you have them clash, you know, maybe they do treat Gabriel like shit, like, whatever. You have them clash, you set up all of the things that they do, that they've always done, that is shitty. And yeah. And, you know, you have them make this choice at the end and then you know send the kids on their way or whatever right because the choice to be like we are going to destroy this crystal that would have been powerful kind of anything yeah instead they fucking rocket through what should be an arc in two chapters like (laughs) for these characters that we don't even know like why do i care that he's changed his mind yeah god they could have had scenes with the other woman whose name i can't even remember being like no father or father figure, or whatever. You can't. You'll die if the crystal's there. It's the only thing sustaining you <laughs> and most of our people. Just make it Disney's Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. God, that's all I would have wanted. The Atlantis is the lost empire, but everyone had to leave because they got destroyed, and this is the last of it. And you know, pick up Akita person yeah, yeah. and and just go. Yeah. Literally anything to make this more than a two chapter exposition dump you know yep very bad pacing on lj's part which is wild because as you said she did the same thing in both books (laughs) how did you manage and and so therefore i have to just expect that the rest of this is going to be them you know driving back because they know where they're going but taking forever to make their plan and then in the last 50 pages you know they'll they'll get gabriel back the end I, it is not that. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It doesn't take 250 pages to get to the end? No, if I remember right, we get a a cold open. So maybe it'll be a little better. Couldn't have fucking done that here. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's uh, it's not great. Um, But I would like to say that in your recap, which was very good and got almost everything you missed one vital detail. Vital detail. Vital. So as they're leaving the Institute for the first time, they come in, they're like running around grabbing all of their stuff. 
And Kate grabs her most important possession, her lucky $100 bill. (laughs) I'm sorry, you're correct. This is vital. This is so important. I (laughs) Okay, but it's important to us personally. (laughs) I've never been more delighted to read a ridiculous sentence in my entire life. The fact Did they break it or do they like she never mentions I don't think they I have this hundred dollars that I could break into, but mm, I just don't think I should yet like no, she never agonizes over it. It's just this one reference. It's the the fleetingest of details. But Ollie, I would yes. I'd like to take you back to where Please. we first we first met a lucky hundred dollar bill. Ugh. Uh Matt and Elena first date where Matt's uncle Joe, I think, gives yes. him a lucky hundred dollar bill that he tries to take Elena out to dinner with and then turns out it was under his shoe the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um and then the sequel, tenth date, where he leaves it in his wallet in the car when they go yep. to rescue drowning children, sort of. And then his uncle Joe's ghost appears to him at the end and says, Ah, here, son, you left your lucky $100 bill laying out. Uh, Even though he didn't, the ghost stole it from his car and then gave it back to him. (laughs) Loved that conversation. I can only assume that Kate, too, loses her $100 bill, (laughs) probably when the van sinks. And I think that what what happened is Uncle Joe got confused. Yeah. And he should have brought it back to Caitlin, but instead... Gave it to Matt. He stole from Matt when his money was perfectly safe. (laughs) So my theory, which I have told you, is that Uncle Joe married Kate's mom's sister. Mm -hmm. So that, like, Kate and Matt are not, like, blood-related. That way it makes sense that, like, Matt is not related to the Atlanteans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yes, I do love that you're like, oh my god, shared universe. I mean, it it has to be canon. Clearly what happens is for, let's say, their seventh Christmas, Uncle (laughs) Joe takes his step and or blood nieces and nephews, and he sits them down. He says, all right, son slash child. He calls everybody son. It doesn't matter what your gender is. All right, son. (laughs) Here is your lucky $100 bill. Now, don't don't spend it on anything stupid. You got to spend it on something important. So and not then, Elena. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I can see you to the future. I know what you're going to try to spend it on, you dumb piece of shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal it from you and put it <laughs> under your shoe so you don't notice. And then give it back to you. Um <laughs> And clearly, he gave it to Kate, and she took it seriously, and she's like, yes, my lucky $100 bill, I'll keep it for 10 years and never spend it. And then, you know, she tragically loses it in an unfortunate goat accident, so. <laughs> I love that all both of these incidents include, like, water and yeah, exactly. Yeah, clearly, Uncle, poor Uncle Joe drowned. Do you think that's what it was? He's like, hold on to this $100 bill for me until it's time for me to reclaim my money. And he's like, I'm attached to your emotions towards me. So as long as you keep this $100 bill, I have a connection to you. And therefore I can like climb out of my my soul 
water pit. He just like Samara climbs out of the water and he's like, I've returned for my cash. (laughs) The devil wants his due and it's $200. (laughs) He's like, you better still have that bill I gave you. I don't accept change. (laughs) The ATMs in hell do not work. We in hell, we deal in Benjamin's only son. <laughs> That's the most important detail of this it's entire book. So important. I love that this is just, this is pure LJ. Like, LJ came up with the idea of a lucky $100 bill. She couldn't fit it into the published Vampire Diaries. She says, I will not let that detail go to waste. Giving <laughs> it to Caitlin. When did the short story come out? I don't know when it came out, but she put it on her website. So it was okay. well after publication. Because I wonder which one came first. That's a good question. I I feel like my intuition, and I have no basis for this, my intuition would say that it was a cut detail from Vampire Diaries. I really okay. think that because it's such a big thing in those two very silly stories, and it's just a passing detail here. It, it was it originated in Matt, yeah. Okay, I can I can dig it. I want to see Kate's mom and her sister hanging out, and like they've both brought their one kid. <laughs> and I can't remember. Does Matt have siblings? Does he have a little brother? I I want to say he has siblings. I don't think we ever see any uh, of them. I feel like he has at least a little brother. But you know, like he, he sister brings her kids. Matt's mom brings. Uh, or rather, Kate's mom brings Kate, and they're just hanging out, and they're both like, so when I turned seven, Uncle Joe gave me a hundred bucks. <laughs> no way, me too. <laughs> what can we get for $200? Suddenly hearing the spooky voice of Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Put it back in your wallet. what I fucking tell you? <laughs> that money is not for spending. <laughs> that's money that's you are my bank accounts for after i pass on <laughs> afterlife bank accounts when i need to withdraw i come to a relative <laughs> at least he's nice he's not asking you for a hundred dollars he's just asking you for his hundred dollars back oh <laughs> uh, you're correct it is the most important information mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. there's nobody to fucking ship in this book <laughs> no unfortunately although you can already see the the hetero ever afters forming up right because you got lewis fucking pining after lydia yep it's irritating because she's clearly never looked at lewis that way and she mm-hmm. immediately does with gabriel mm-hmm. and i'm like wow i continue to hate the way you treat this young chinese boy yep i i was thinking reading this that you know, Lewis, Lewis and Anna each get to do like 1.5 things in this book. Like they each get a Correct. chance to do a thing that helps further the plot. Like LJ was like, oh yeah, I should, I should have a reason that these two are here. Shouldn't <laughs> I? All right. Well, I guess Lewis does some minor thing with his, his telekinesis and Anna talks to a bird at one point. Right. Lewis is instrumental into their getting into Canada, and Anna's instrumental in their finding the house. Right? Check, check. That's good enough, right? Done! They can just sit around and grin when everyone else is grinning, too. But, like, both Lewis and Anna have, like, potentially super powerful, like, abilities. Right? The fact that Anna could see through the bird's eyes. Right? Like, where the fuck that come from? And then Lewis being like, 
well, if they could psychic attack us from here, I figured I could, you know, just deal with this walkie-talkie right next to me. Like, you have cool powers. <laughs> you know, any other story they could be a protagonist of. The fact Agreed. that LJ just so flagrantly sidelines them makes their powers kind of useless to the situations that they're in. While making the person who has to draw right to see the future the main character. Right, and then Gabriel with his, his psychic utility knife. Yeah, he's he's basically Falcon's Falcon magic. They, <laughs> he just does whatever the plot requires. But it's just the fact that there could have been so many cool instances where they could have worked together as a team, you know? like It definitely feels like the kid, the, Lewis and Anna, don't think about the fact that they also are psychics. Oh, yeah, because they're uh, the NPCs that LJ has put yeah. in to fill out the party. But listen, if the players aren't going to talk to them, like, I'm not going to play them myself. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to myself, LJ says. They're clearly not the GM's pet NPCs. <laughs> right. No, they're just they're just here for when you all are in trouble with, like, skills that you didn't take. <laughs> I built this plot and you didn't take certain things, so I'll just give you an NPC that you have to drag around. Yeah, and you don't have to talk to them. They'll just, you know, sometimes they'll smile at you or whatever. You know, they can take watch when you guys don't want to, whatever. (laughs) That's probably the most useful thing an NPC can do in this story. (laughs) But... Yeah, just the fact that LJ has so sidelined these two characters when, like, they're two-fifths of the group. Like, that's a pretty good chunk. It makes everything about the other characters just feel very pointless. Because nobody gets to be people. Yeah, because everybody is has first draft characterization. Yeah. I had mentioned to you while I was reading this that... I have never read a book before that I felt so very, like, it was really clear I am not <laughs> the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've read some of the books, like, you know, like last season and things like that, where it was like, eh, yeah, you know, I'm not the audience for this. Mm-hmm. But, like, I still read them. And last book and this book... I mean, I would never have gotten around to this book, but, like, I would have DNF'd both of them. Mm-hmm. Nothing was happening. Nothing that I was interested in. There were no characters. It was all about the romance and then the potential love triangle, except that she wasn't interested in him. So I'm like, where do I fit in reading this book? I don't. <laughs> and that sucks when it's like we have to do a whole podcast about it because we're trying to read this author's backlist. And after loving Forbidden Game even the second time. Loving Mm -hmm. it even more to get to this book series where I thought Secret Circle was going to be the worst of it. (laughs) You know, and there's there's not even too many good jokes to make about this because no one is that ridiculous. And (laughs) he warned me that, like, it gets a little bonkers in the end. And I was like, God damn it, I wish it would be a lot bonkers. (laughs) You know, and we get there and they're all just like, meh, nope, can't help you. What about this? No, can't help with that either. They were just boring, plain white rice of people (laughs) who had these ancient eyes and like didn't do shit, didn't seem to care about anything, yet I'm supposed to care for them? 
Like, thank goodness they can at least solve Marisol's problem. Mm -hmm. But, like, there was nothing. There was nothing here for me. I am not the audience. I just, I don't, I can't imagine ever having been the audience. Yeah, I, you know, even though I am slash was the audience for this at one point, like, at one point, you know, these were, like, a big favorite of mine. Now, looking at them, I'm like, but it doesn't even do the thing that I remember liking, which is all the, like, the Julian Jenny stuff. She doesn't even do that well here. She did such a better job last time. She did. And it's a shame for reasons that we'll get to in the next book. Oh, my God. I keep feeling like everything is like, well, maybe next book. Well, maybe next book. No, it's it's the the, the place that this holds in, like, LJ's backlist. The, the the way that she resolves stuff is like it should have been better and it's unfortunate okay. that it's not but yeah like you know like i said i was reading this this week nothing really stood out to me as being particularly bad the only thing that i really came away with was that the gabriel kate stuff was just not that interesting and, and obviously the obvious stuff of like the finale being very poorly written A fucking wet drip and, and you know, Lewis and Anna doing absolutely nothing. The rest of it was just like, I, I don't know. This is, this is the story. So you said that the next one opens probably like a cold open, which is kind of unfortunate to think about because it's just the four of them now, not even like with extra of Lydia. Mm-hmm. So it would be like Kate and Anna and Lewis and Rob. And like, you'd kind of have to interact with Lewis and Anna at that point. Well, you forget, they they are not the point of this book. Gabriel is, so. Yeah, well, clearly, because he ever gets any um, point of view chapters. Right, so we're going we're gonna to cut to the, the Gabriel. Of course you're going to skip the return trip. I think it's just very clear where LJ's, if, if not her interest, what her goal was. With this, yeah. So I remember that her actual goal with Vampire Diaries is to have Elena end up with Damon. I've been getting the feeling that it's that way with Gabriel and Kate. Mm -hmm. So that's my expectation Mm -hmm. moving forward. And that if it is, it makes the bizarre characterization of Rob and Kate and Gabriel even more frustrating Mm -hmm. because Rob could have just been. A Matt Honeycutt that wasn't second banana. You know, like, he could have just been a good boy who didn't hate Gabriel and didn't know Gabriel at all. And maybe Gabriel was weird about him because he reminded him of someone, you know. But in the second book, they actually start connecting and it's good and fine, except that they both are in love with the same girl, you know. And oh no, what do I do? We're both in love with the same girl. But I I like him. He's my friend, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for Kate, to have one personality and try to be good or or not be good, but you know, like that Rob tempers her and makes her calm down and take a moment to breathe. And for Gabriel to <laughs> not be such a fucking hothead, I guess. Well, even Gabriel's characterization is just kind of boring because he's not actually that interesting. He's and not. He's pretty unpleasant. Oh, unpleasant's a good word for him. Like, the first chapter or section of a chapter that we got with him where he's, like, being real shitty about a homeless girl 
And I'm just like, why do I, why should I like you? I'm not even asking why I do, because I don't. And like, just the way he thinks about everyone, and even the way he thinks about Kate at times, and then just his absolute fucking cartoonish bullshit at the end. It's just like, why should I care about any of you? Right? Like, I, I get what she was trying to do with Gabriel, but it just doesn't work, because it's not that well-developed. Like, Gabriel never feels that vulnerable, you know? Yeah. And that was a very appealing part of Julian, was the the number of times that he made himself vulnerable to Jenny. And, you know, Damon at least leaned in to being real evil. Yeah. And Gabriel is in that place where he's kind of a Stefan. Stefan, oh my god, you've polluted me. I'm infecting you. No. Um... He's kind of a Stefan where, like, he feels regret. He doesn't actually want to kill oh, people. That but, is that is an eye-opener. But he's also not as nice or likable as Stefan. So, like, he has yeah. that internal struggle going on, but he's a real dick about it. Okay, so so this is, this is LJ trying to do Elena is with Matt, but Matt's not as good of a boy, and she wants to be with Stefan, but she doesn't. She doesn't at all. She's only platonic. Mm -hmm. Rather than what it felt like of Elena is with Stefan and wants to be with Damon. Like, I thought that's what we had going on. Mm -hmm. And I think you've just, like, helped me crack that... (laughs) this plot open in that kind of way Mm -hmm. where it's like oh this is why he feels awful because he's like a stefan damon (laughs) a stamen a stamen he's a stamen he's a piece of a flower (laughs) who doesn't want to kill people but will decide to be evil i guess yeah um and then you've got a, a stefan matt who only chooses to be a fucking D-bag about Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And is otherwise an, a pointless, no-note character. <laughs> and then our Elena is like, I'll be Elena some of the time, but I'll be uh, not even really a Jenny, but let's just say a Jenny when I'm around the other one. <laughs> and it's like, be one person. Just be Kate. <laughs> I think this is LJ iterating, but not in a good way. Like we saw, yeah. you know, Forbidden Game was an iteration on some ideas in Vampire Diaries, but better. And this yeah. is another variation on, you know, the dynamics that, that she established in Vampire Diaries. And obviously, like, the bad boy versus the good boy is not exclusive to LJ. But these... Sure, but this is where she lives. Right. And these these particular, like characteristics that she's imbuing uh specifically gabriel with are very you know damon stefan and uh yeah it's just not a very good iteration i don't know if if she just was rushed if she just didn't really care about it that much i feel like she didn't because we never we you you can't find anything on it yeah again 700 pages later i wish Literally anywhere she talks about this fucking book. Yeah. Anything else that you wanted to talk about? 
Oh, yeah. The only other thing that I thought was um, amazingly LJ was the silliness she has going on with the Atlanteans, but we can't call her that. Shh. Why? It's not like Disney has the copyright. I don't know. She was being so coy about it. I felt, I did feel like the way that she characterized that group, they they are canonically supposed to be shitty, right? They're wusses. If I were Gabriel, I would also really want to bully them, you know? Oh, this is a very good point. I, I do not care about them and their fucking belief system because they're not doing anything for the world right and that is explicitly like a problem that the book is in touch with right like they know that that's a problem so i feel like maybe lj was just like fucking crystal loving pacifist motherfuckers i'm gonna get you i'm gonna blow up your fucking atlantean crystal all you indigo children out there i know and if the thing is that we do know that lj is right woo woo herself so yeah God, the idea of someone like her being like, but these ones are too much. But these motherfuckers. I just love to imagine, like, the infighting at her fucking Sunday brunches. Anyway. (laughs) um, She's like, I'm going to put you in my book. Yeah. Yeah. Tim. Marin. (laughs) Um, Sean. (laughs) But my favorite part of the way that she sets up these Atlanteans is LJ's just continued bewilderment at the concept of multiracial people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm so glad you had the same moment. I'm like, (laughs) this or that, you know, the whole different part of the world. I like she assembles these people like she's assembling a Mr. Potato Head. Like, oh, the eyes come from their like fucking Asian heritage and the skin color comes from the Egyptian heritage. And it's like LJ. LJ. Asia is a very big place. Also, people have a wide like a variety in the way that they look regardless of where they live. The fact that she could not recognize. No one looks at Kate and is like. Well, I mean, Kate's a bad example, but nobody looks at Rob and says, ah, yes, his Polish chin (laughs) and his Italian shoulders. Uh, His Polish chin is my favorite part of Rob, honestly. (laughs) I don't even know if he's Polish or Italian, but I'm making it up. I know. But that's the way she sounds when she talks about people of color. She's so... It's just the idea that somebody with brown skin could have, say, curly blonde hair or blue eyes. Like, she uses it to otherize these people. And it's yeah. just so funny. It's like how she doesn't know that gay people exist. Like, she also <laughs> doesn't understand that, like, multiracial people exist or, like, right? Asian folks with dark skin. Like, none of that yeah. computes for her. Oh, that's always my favorite when people are like... Ah, uh, yes, this person is black, and so they are from Africa. And it's like, n- no. <laughs> like, they can be from many, many places. It's just the number of times Kate talks about LaShawn's lynx eyes and caramel-colored skin, Ugh. like, that's so incongruous. Have you not lived in, I'm assuming the California you live in must be super white. Mm-hmm. It's so bizarre. It's the wildest thing. I feel like so much we we rub against LJ and her ignorance. And every time it's just like, did nobody tell you, LJ? Like, do we need to have a talk? Right. 
Maybe this is why she doesn't interact with the world anymore. <laughs> it's almost overload. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> She's like, I can't. <laughs> Where did they come from? Women and women do what together? Wait, there's something other than women and men? But they're, but they're sisters. <laughs> no, 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 they're not. Let me, mm. you know, go back into hiding. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous yeah i'm glad because that was one of my points too her white lady in the 90s racism continues so much in this book oh my god oh i also feel like she must have gone on this road trip herself because the only time we get any descriptions are of the landscape and it was like i do see something so that's nice so like here's a quarter of a star for your descriptions of the landscape lj do you think she did uh like she did with secret circle where she did like a a northeastern road trip yes and she found this island and saw these little stone statues yes absolutely how much do you want to bet she went on some sort of new age retreat it did not go well and then she she wrote wrote dark visions (laughs) i love it this is my head canon accepted Uh I think that, oh, wait, right, I had one more point towards what is ultimately the continuation of LJ's weird white woman racism. Mm-hmm. Um, When Anna's parents are like, you know, we're going to go talk to the elders and then call the cops. I'm just like, you can tell that LJ is a white lady because <laughs> she thinks that these indigenous folks would ever call the cops. <laughs> Right? For, like, a problem involving a rich white man. <laughs> right? <laughs> they would just be like, mm, children, we must put you in hiding. Oh, LJ. <sighs> yep. That's it. This is a very short podcast, but, you know, there's not that much to talk about. Listen, we talked about the most important thing, which was, of course... The $100 Kate's bill. Lucky $100 bill, yes. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? If you want to hear the origin story of the lucky $100 bill, you should go listen to our first Vampire Diaries episode. Was it the first one? It was the first one, because we read those okay. two short stories first. Ah, uh, yes. So yeah, go back to season three, I think it was. Back in the day. And you too can share in the joy that is Uncle Joe's <laughs> magical $100 bill. Absolutely. Now... I know our plan is in two weeks we're going to record for Dark Vision's The Passion. I'm sure that'll have absolutely nothing to do with the book. Um, But if for some reason that doesn't work out, Mm -hmm. I would want people here to know that we would not have a November episode. We're we're both doing NaNoWriMo. Like, I've got places out of state I have to be. So if we skip November, just, like, be aware we'll be back in December. So mm-hmm. just to give ourselves that potential heads up. Mm-hmm. But preferably I'd like to have this fucking series done. <laughs> right? I was so eager to finish reading this book so that I could move on to a book relevant to my nano. Yeah. Like I need to purchase from my brain so I have permission to think about something else. Yes. Yeah. Then I, if anybody wants to join us for the nano things, I know I'll, I'll probably end up posting on Twitter here and there. But, like, come come chat with us. Maybe we can make a little Discord server or something. Yeah. That could be fun. You can find me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Olivier Hennis. And you can find the podcast at Backlist Podcast. Mm-hmm. How about you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at endless underscore run. You can also find the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlist and chill, where you can get episodes a few days early. And also, we finally have a Patreon exclusive episode. I am excited by that. You can't even listen to it on the Spotify. Nope. It's where I like to listen to stuff. How long is it? Three hours? It's three hours long. It's very silly. It is. I listened to it again because we. it was from Paper Cuts Podcast. You know, that one we keep almost saying. Mm-hmm. I listened to it again. It had been so long ago. I think it was like five years ago. Well, no, it had to be longer than that. Mm-hmm. When was it? When did we record that? I don't know. And I don't feel like looking it up. That's fine. It was the year after One Was Lost was published. Right. That's for sure. And uh, it was just been so long and it was so nice to hear just everybody's voices. It was so silly. Mm-hmm. And I just, I laughed a lot. It was great. Yeah. So... You know, that when the people who recorded it can go back and be like, that was fun. That was a good episode. <laughs> right. You should also check it out. Something you recorded more than like half a decade ago. Because like, when yeah. can you say that about any content from that long ago? Oh my God, right? I was expecting to be like, ooh, cringe, cringe, cringe. Right. Same. But no, it was, it was actually pretty funny. Uh, so if for some reason we don't end up with a November episode, you can become a patron and then you have a three hour long episode that you've never yeah. heard before. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. And if you are already a patron, come do Nano with us. And yeah. That'll be fun too. Right? And then we can all uh, be distracted by writing together. Hopefully. All right. We will catch y'all next time. Bye. Bye.